I'm afraid I just blew myself. to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, uh, the only rugby podcast that cares about the declining standards of hummus in UK supermarkets. Uh, I am, as always, Cami Black, and joining me this evening, it's the uh, two-headed beast, Giannanda here. <laughs> Good uh, evening. Yeah, it's uh, it's Ian and John. Um, we're going to put this conspiracy to bed tonight. The, the, you are actually two separate people. Is that not right, John? Absolutely, yes, definitely. And can you confirm you're a separate person, Ian? Yes, I can, even though we share a hive mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that gets uh, gets us gets us on later in the podcast. Anyway, um, I'll just queue up the uh, wee bit of background music because it's time for us to tell you how you can get in touch with us. Uh, you can visit the blog, scottishrugbyblog.co.uk where you'll find match reports, opinion pieces and other bits and bobs. Uh, you can get in touch with us by email podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk on twitter at cami black or at scott rugby blog and we're also on instagram and um facebook um john how do people get in touch with you uh, you can go- get me on twitter uh at skinchenko 27 or you can get in contact through the scottish rugby forum so that's at scott, scott rugby forum or on facebook and ian uh, on Twitter, it's at IanHay82, or like John, I'm one of his uh, lieutenants on the rugby forum if he is the commander of the ship. Is that how it works? Uh, is, is, there a, is there a system of ranking? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so I'm in charge, and then everyone else answers to what I say. So it's quite simple, really. Good. Um, well, we, we, um, we've had uh, a couple of emails in, um, mainly on the uh, crap call-off section, which we'll open with tonight. Um, some, Sam Mountain got in touch on email to say he once had a call-off from a vet who texted at 6 o'clock to say, Sorry lads, won't make training running round a field trying to shoot a llama with a dart gun. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. My absolute favourite though this week is uh, Ian McCauley. Who got in touch, uh, but again by email and said, I used to play for Camberley Colts many years ago. And on the morning of an important Surrey Cup game, our team hardman in second row, surname Payne, no pun intended, called our coach to tell him he couldn't play because he'd been barred. Slightly confused, the coach asked, what, you've been barred for playing, why? To which Payne replied, no, I was out on the lash last night and I got hit with an iron bar. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so if you have um, any crap call-offs and you want to name and shame anybody, um, then do let us know. Um, I'm hoping that gentleman called Payne isn't listening. Um, <laughs> if he is, uh, that's Ian McCauley that's dubbed you in. Um, to business then, gentlemen. Um, we'll, we'll, um, we will get on to Edinburgh, we promise. And, and Ian and, and John have promised to um, to be as impartial as uh, possible and, and give credit where it's due to Edinburgh for their win over Toulon. But Glasgow... Um, We'll start with the, um, well, not so much the elephant in the room um, as the, the main talking point from the game, which wasn't so much the win as the uh, the twos and blues, the blue man group, um, the, the shirt clash. What, what's your take on this, John? It was it was really bad, wasn't it? I, I, I turned on the television and went, oh, what? Oh, okay, I can't really tell who's who. That's, I mean, I think there's been some stuff going about about the sort of um, the two clubs have always had strips that are relatively close to each other, so it it was a relatively difficult one um, to to alleviate. But yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, it comes down, Ian. I mean, you look at the uh, Glasgow haven't got a European strip, have they? And that's right, they've just got the normal. Uh, no, no, no. It's just the the black ones. The one, well, the shall we say the first kit. And then the alternate kit is the uh, sky blue and white striped one. Yeah, so they're, they're not as decadent as Cardiff Blues in having a Euro- separate European strip. No, I mean, I, with kind of respect to Cardiff, given their sort of more recent performances, uh, you're basically asking fans to buy a top for six games there. Is it the equivalent um, of a prop in orange boots? 
Um, there seemed to be a lot of Glasgow players in pink boots. I wasn't sure if they were all backs, but that was. I found that the easiest way to tell the teams apart. If it was a pink booted <laughs> player, definitely a warrior. Yeah. Um, it doesn't seem to be. I mean, you would have thought a quick Google from Cardiff's point of view would have realised that both Glasgow strips were going to clash with their European one, given it's theirs was grey and blue. So both Glasgow shirts were always going to clash with it and it, it's customary for the home team to, to change into their alternate alternate kit which is white so yeah. it wouldn't have clashed but apparently i think that the story goes that they were they were out the training base which is some miles away and they only realized during the warm-up yeah but the training base was, for them was 15 miles away whereas our training base was 360 odd um, <laughs> so i think it would have been a bit easier for them to change their tops um also the way gareth Thanscombe was bleating about it afterwards um, and he said I don't think it's fair that the home team should have to change tops that's always been the way mm. um, so yeah um, no, it was just it was just bad administrative work by the uh, EPRC really um, you know Dave Rennie said that they sent the data off they were happy that there wasn't going to be a kit clash but you know they're both manufactured by the same uh, same company Macron so the even though like the primary colour of the Cardiff top is grey, because they've got the same blue sleeve as what Glasgow would have, and you know, given all the sponsors on the front, it, it was quite hard to tell. Um, even watching on the telly, I thought. But that's, I mean, that's not the reason that Cardiff lost. Ultimately, let's be honest, uh, John. Um, a, a, a good performance from Glasgow. Dermot Gormley on Twitter asked, "Do we appreciate how good Johnny Grey is, or have we come to expect him not to miss tackles and to hit every ruck consistently?" I, th- I think uh, if you ask most Glasgow fans, they very much appreciate how good Johnny Gray is. Um, he he is an absolute machine, and the amount of work he gets through. We've said it so many times before, but it, it, it's just the consistency. And we always talk about you know our so-called or our, our, our world-class players. You know, we talk about our backs like Hogg and when Finn Russell was here, and we say you know the one thing they're lacking is perhaps just a bit of consistency they do they do world-class things but they're just not consistent look at johnny gray he just it does the basics so well and he gets through a power of work he's he's a phenomenal player phenomenal ian um who i mean who stood up for you in that game I mean, there's this there's, there's a few to pick from me that ali price sort of had a good game i guess matt matt, matt Ferguson as well um i think we yeah. just we need a standing item probably on just on callum gibbons being good yeah, yeah, well, that's when Callum Gibbons is Johnny. I mean, I went to second what John said. So, you know, people moan about Johnny Gray, not, well, he doesn't do the big tackles or he doesn't carry hard enough. You know, but his work rate is just phenomenal. And, you know, for me, a, a big hit, you know, a hit's for hit. You don't have to break somebody's ribs to pull a man down. He just pulls people down all the time. He's all, once again, he's top of the, uh, the tackle uh, rankings for um, for the Champions Cup, as he was last year. Um, but yeah, uh, name you mentioned there, Matt Fagerson. Um, uh, if we go back to the Saracens game, if we must, uh, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, best Warriors player on the park. Um, Itoji winning it wasn't uh, didn't exactly delight me, um, but Fagerson, I think, has been excellent. Uh, I think, I mean, we've spoken about him already for a couple of seasons. The boy's got such a bright future ahead of him if he keeps going the way he is. Um, he's and only I think, twenty. He's twenty. Twenty. That's terrifying, isn't it? That's yeah. So good. I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what I was doing when I was twenty. I was probably drinking, <laughs> drunk, drunk somewhere in a corner. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I think. I mean, the, the one. I mean, it was. A, it was a, a pretty emphatic win against Cardiff. Defense was good. It, attack was good. Everything clicked. It's you know an, an away win as well for Glasgow, which is good in Europe. But the. Um, it probably highlights, I think, how just how close the Saracens game was, doesn't it, Ian? Yeah, well, I'd been on two weeks ago um, thinking we were, well, basically said we were going to get slaughtered, um, but we defended superbly. Uh, just, you know, didn't maybe didn't make the right choices um, when we had, you know, good penalty position, uh, good field position. Um, but, yeah, Cardiff, actually, when you look back at the game, Cardiff made more clean line breaks but we were just, those first two tries in the first four minutes of the game, you know, just put it into our hands. Uh, Cardiff maybe let a couple points go, but um, I think that's one thing 
don't know if John will agree with me, but from what I've seen of Glasgow this season, which is basically every game, um, our defence seems a lot stronger. We're not slipping tackles like we used to, um, or we had done towards the end of last season. Um, I just think, and the, the pack just seems a lot more powerful. Uh, Ollie Kebbles made a massive difference at the scrum. Do you, I mean, do you agree with that, John? I mean, it does seem that the forwards have got a lot more more grit about them. I mean, I don't like to glorify violence on here, but I think the Saracens left Scottsdale with two broken noses and Vili Bunapola's broken arm, which would, you know, I'm not saying they're going out to intentionally injure anybody, but it certainly shows that Glasgow's forwards have maybe got a bit more of the dog about them. Yeah, I think I think that has been quite evident this season that. The there's definitely been a decent amount of work done, and I think I touched on it um, in the season preview to say that we had we've got a couple of those forwards that are obviously Southern Hemisphere um, based initially, and had come over on the back of long, long seasons. And if ever a position is going to impact you in terms of fatigue, it's you know particularly front row, but anywhere on the pack you're going to you're going to see a big impact of people playing those long long stretches of games but yeah kebble's been outstanding um but yeah there's definitely there is a bit more bite about them and i would say defensively they have they're better they're better than they were are they as good as the gregor townsend era no um there still seems to be a little bit more looseness about uh, particularly around the edges of the the breakdown that for you know that for my liking i i would like to see that tightened up a wee bit um but definitely for one-up tackles are improving significantly did you hear the um bbc uh rugby union weekly podcast the just after the saracens game either of no, you no. there is this i'm just gonna play the section of it because it's very funny hang on yeah, so going back to the Ryan Wilson thing, obviously what kicked off in Scotland last year, I don't, he'll probably hate me for saying this, but Jamie George, I messaged him during the week saying, you know, good luck for the game. And he, and he was talking about the game and saying, you know, we're looking forward to playing against Ryan Wilson again. So I was like, okay. So I texted him after the game, said, mate, how'd you get on? And he said, Ryan Wilson broke my nose. <laughs> <laughs> well... Glad he wasn't in a kebab shop. That's all. <laughs> the, the Halloween season is upon us. It is. Yes. <laughs> Be careful out there. Um, <laughs> I mean, we 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 might as well address this now because I, we've, I had a few submissions last week for hands in the rock, although we weren't doing a podcast. It was Mario Toji and his his sort of celebration in inverted commas celebration. Um, it's been talked over. We might as well cover it here. Uh, just to give our take on it. Um, I think the thing that's annoyed me is sort of some of the false equivalents about saying, oh, it's not the biggest worry in rugby. We shouldn't bother about it because there's bigger things to worry about. I think you can worry about standards of behaviour and concussion and tackles at the same time. You don't have to just worry about one thing at a time. Um, I think, I mean, it's the same podcast that... I don't normally listen to it, but I was listening to it just to try and get that clip. And just before then, they were saying, oh, it's great to have a bit of drama in rugby and, and have some stories. And I think if you want drama and stories, then watch EastEnders or Hollyoaks. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a classless sort of player, isn't he? I mean, he's uh, you'll, you'll struggle to find a more talented, athletic um, forward, but... His his attitude is absolutely disgraceful. Um, I'm not going to sit here and go, oh, you know, it's it's like it's like the footballers are coming over and taking over the game and all, and all that nonsense. It's just he's just come. He comes across as a bit of a thug, really, um, and that's not purely based on the other week. There, I mean, there's been plenty of examples of it so far in his let's be honest, short career. Um, so. You know, let's let's hope he can wrap that because I think he's got potential to be a one one of the best players in the world, but he'll never be seen in that light if he continues that nonsense. Yeah, I mean, Ian, what's your take on this? Because there's been a, there's been a little chat about Nigel Owens and some of the things he's pulled up players for in the last couple of weeks. I mean, I think he gave a penalty against Claire, for Claire, against Claremont for Northampton when a Claremont player slapped someone on the head when they spilled the ball on the line. And then he was having words with Simon Zebo for sort of over celebrating a try. Do you think? I mean, is is 
is there a balance of sort of referees giving these warnings or is Nigel over the top or should we just stop wringing our hands about it? Um, no, well, I mean, the, the word I would use to describe a toji that when John said thug, I would say something a bit ruder. Um, <laughs> no, he just he just seems like a... I mean, there's no need for it. He's such a really good player, you know. He's an athletic beast, you know. He, he's absolutely fantastic. But... You know, there always has been a little bit of niggle in him. The, the one thing that that initially annoyed me about Maru Itoji, or made me think this boy's a bit of a sweary bird, um, it was when we got hammered down at Twickenham. Uh, Scotland won a penalty on the scrum, and Itoji rubbed John Barkley's head, like in a sort of, oh, well done, mate, kind of way, and laughed at him. John Barkley told him to go away, but in ruder terms. And then Matthew Reynal who was the referee for the Sanders' game, reversed the penalty. You know, it's like this little punk kid has just gone <laughs> up and ruffled someone's hair. You know, a crafty veteran like John Barkley. And, um, you know, and Reynald lets him away with that. But when John Barkley tells him to go and do what he should do, he re- reverses the penalty. Um, you know, if if he's going to keep those standards, then why didn't he give a penalty against the Toji for joining in with those celebrations? Yeah. When Glasgow thought they scored a try. Yeah. Um, so it is this whole inconsistency issue again, um, but also that Reynald's a terrible ref. <laughs> yeah, I think the most important question here, though, Cammy, is how twitchy was your uh, edit finger there? When <laughs> <he was> talking? <laughs> oh, I like a my... rabbit's nostril. <laughs> <laughs> my hand was on the pen next to my notebook to note the time to go back. <laughs> to go back and use my bleepy button um you've done so well Ian. well so done well. ian yes um thank you <laughs> good self-restraint um i mean the, the the one thing that sort of came out um that we can sort of tie this to the to the ember game a little bit is is the dave rennie quote that says this is the new this should be the new normal for glasgow is winning these games and uh, richard cockrell said something similar just before the montpellier game um, which it ties in quite nicely with sort of the theme of what we've been talking about with Scotland for a while. And it's, I think Cockerell's quote is, if it kills me, I'm going to get rid of the Scottish trait of we're always going to be second best and we're going to be plucky losers because it does my head. And he said, I'm an arrogant Englishman and I expect to win. That's just my nature. Love it or not, our lads have got to get that streak in us and we've got to get it quickly. And I think that's, I mean, do you think, is, is this... Should Edinburgh and Glasgow now be expecting to put in these performances week after week, John? Yes, absolutely. Um, especially Glasgow, given the the pedigree we've we've not necessarily had in Europe, but you know, um, our week our week performances over the last well, quite a few years have been very good. We we have shown. The level of performance, as you know, as David Rennie says, that that is what we need to be aiming for every week. We will still lose games against very, very good sides in Europe, playing as well as we have done the last couple of weeks. But that is where we need to be aiming for. And if you look at the the individual performances within it, that you know you're seeing guys like guys like Hugh Jones. I think I, I saw Hugh Jones described the other day as the the Scotland the Scotland jersey version has turned up. <laughs> um, and that 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 kind of sums it up. It's the, the players are starting to show some of the, the the talent we know they have, and they're starting to show it in a Glasgow shirt and uh, whisper it. Is is it clicking? Is the Rennie game plan working? Um, after the King, the Kings debacle, we were all a bit. A lot of people were very concerned, but it it looks better much better yeah and i think it was adam ash was saying on the glasgow weekly podcast Ian, that that glasgow shouldn't forget that game that's what dave rennie's said after the games we don't forget this um yeah absolutely um sort of, i don't know i don't know how this comes to my head but as an equivalence i remember um queens to the stone age all of them <laughs> they got a uh, they got a tattoo on their ribs of the date when they played this horrendous gig in Germany. It's like, <laughs> let's not forget this. This is the sorest place to get a tattoo. Let's keep, let's all get one just to remember how bad that was. Um, Are you suggesting like that John, the entire Glasgow Warriors squad gets the should. Southern Kings logo tattooed yeah. somewhere? Aye, they should get the manager's head tattooed on their back. Um, that's what they should <laughs> I mean, the, the Kings game was appalling. Um, there's no other two ways about it. But 
what I have noticed from the rest of Glasgow's games this year is we're not trying the crazy offloads. Um, you know, as I've pointed out numerous times on various platforms, uh, we topped the league for turnovers last year, as well as points scored. We were just chucking the ball away. That seems to have gone. There was a couple of games last season we didn't. Uh, Munster, for example, uh, which we did again to them this year. We gave them a bit of a doing. Um, because we kept the ball, we weren't trying to do something silly. And there's so much quality in that Glasgow backline that if we can keep the ball in hand and don't give the ball away, we can burst through teams. Um, so, yeah, same with, I mean, Edinburgh, I thought, were fantastic against Toulon. Yeah. Um, showed real composure, um, but also just great incision as well. Um, so I think that, like Cockrell says, we should be looking to win pretty much any game we play now. Um, you know, we've had great results against great teams and it's just about getting that consistency. Yeah, I mean, I suppose with 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 Glasgow and then even with Edinburgh, to a large extent, the the players, the personnel haven't changed playing wise significantly. There've been you know players coming here and there. What what's changed is the culture and the coaching and the mentality, and that's that's the difference. I mean, you know, like players like even Grant Gilchrist and Ross Ford and Stuart McAnally have been through, you know, some really terrible Edinburgh regimes, and those. They haven't become brilliant players overnight. That's purely down to coaching mentality and and even you know that overused word and then culture. I think that's what we're starting to see, particularly at Ember. I think Glasgow, it's not been so much of an issue. I think because of sort of the values that, that Townsend instilled that that Rennie sort of continued to build on. But but certainly at Ember, it's it's almost been. I mean, again, it's hard. To, I think I said before, it's hard to think of another club where almost within a season a club has completely turned around its fortunes. And and you can see where Embra are are heading now, and you can see that there is something they're trying to do. Yeah, I think there's just been some very wise recruitment um, from Edinburgh. Like, like they've got um, Bill Mata, for example. I mean, if there's mm. one guy that I could take from Edinburgh and drop into a Glasgow team, it would be him. Um, you know, big ball carrying eight, always makes it over the gain line, gets the offload in. Um, I think maybe even as a sort of broader kind of idea. You know, uh, like Vern Carter, when Vern Carter was manager of Scotland, there's a lot of Warriors players in, and he was kind of utilising the same kind of game plan, or like saying, "Look, you, you guys are good at this. This is what we're going to do here." I don't, uh, you know, uh, and then maybe that's kind of bl- now Townsend's manager of Scotland. Is that bleeding down throughout the organisation? Like, look, this is how we want to play. We need to be fast. We need to be mobile. We need to get in there because we're not. We're not going to play crash ball rugby. You know, we don't have the guys for that. Let's be the quickest. Let's be the fittest. And that's what Cockrell, you know, Cockrell came in at Edinburgh. I said, those players were out of shape. They needed drilled. And he's done that. And he's he's done a fantastic job there. There's no two ways about that. Yeah. And I, I mean, with both Glasgow and Edinburgh, what, what they're doing is the sim- it's, well, it's almost like the All Blacks template. If they do the simple things consistently and they do them well. And so when it works, it works. There's almost, you know, just very simple offloads you know, uh, just switching the direction of play really quickly, but there's nothing, you know, nobody's doing any sort of fancy dance stuff there, particularly. It's just quick, fast, and it makes the defences think. See, that's particularly true at Edinburgh. Um, they, they have, I would probably go as far as to say they have a clearer game plan than Glasgow, um, and the Cockrell has got them playing a bit. It's, it's a fairly, I, I've said it before on the podcast, it's a straightforward, simple game plan. There's, there, there's nothing fancy to it, but when you've got guys like Gilchrist, like McAnally, that are probably as fit as they've ever been, and it shows they are rapid about the part just now, they are thumping it. I was watching watching the, the replay of the Toulon game um, just yesterday. And there's one one particular breakdown. I think it's Bastero's over the ball, mm-hmm. and Gilchrist comes in, and he, I mean, yes, he probably goes off his feet afterwards, <laughs> but he absolutely missiles Bastero off the ball. And yeah, you're saying that's a, it's a second row and a centre that should probably happen, but we know how good Bastero is over the ball, and Chulon's game was. And how big he is, yes. yes. Even though uh, Darcy Graham done his best to tip him on his head <laughs> as well. That was, a, that was a good effort. That, that's a wee, a wee man brave. syndrome there. Bastro's <laughs> uh, no. eating bigger meals than Darcy Graham. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <it's brilliant. laughs> 
I, yeah, I mean, Craig, we had, Craig Simpson got in touch on Twitter and said uh, it was his hands in the rock. But I'm going to use it now because while we're talking about this, said it's and we were laugh, joking about this on our we podcast messenger group that we've got that his hands in the rock is Embers win being downplayed because Toulon aren't as good as they were a few years ago. But they've got Fekker Tower and Julian Salve in that team. They're not. <laughs> I don't think. Well, I don't my... think anyone can argue that that is not a good. Tool. It might be a poorly coached Toulon team, but in terms of the skill set and the you know the ability of that team on paper, that that team should have beaten Edinburgh all day long. The differences in the coaching and the mentality and the consistency and the accuracy yeah absolutely I've just finished watching the um, All or Nothing All Blacks documentary series you know and you were looking at Sevilla there and he you know monstering the World Cup three years ago uh, then you know maybe maybe he's not the player he was but he's still the second highest try scorer for the All Blacks of all time uh, joint second highest sorry with uh, Howlett I think yeah um, so I mean the Two World Cup winners, Matthew Bastero, uh, the pack's pretty solid. There's a couple of South Africans in there who've, you know, they're known for their physicality. It's it's a damn good side, but mm. Edinburgh just slaughtered them. Basically, it was, you know, I I got a wee bit worried when uh, Toulon pulled a try back just after uh, Toulouse had scored, but then after that, it was, you know, it was one way traffic almost. I mean, are you jealous as well? I mean, from a Glasgow point of view, are you jealous of the fact that that Edinburgh seem to have two? And I'm going to play my cute music there. How's it going to work now? Hang on. Two um, good tens. Why is this not working? Play the Van der Vogue theme for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. No. Sing it, sing it yourself, Cammy. Go, come do, on. Do, do, do. There it goes. Yay! Hey. Are you? Um, oh, it's too loud as well. Um, are you? Um, I mean, they've got Hickey and Van der Volk and it's... Uh, I mean, you've got Hastings, but behind Hastings, Horn, Johnson... Ah. <laughs> you know, what is that... You know, Emra seem to be very fortunate in, in sort of being blessed with two very good quality, almost interchangeable... Ter- they do different things, obviously, but, but, but the, it, you could play either one and you wouldn't necessarily... Be disadvantaged from an Ember point of view, I guess. Is that something that you're envious of as, as Glasgow followers? We're very lucky when they recruited Jacko last season. They they got a they got a vet. So that again, I think it's been said in the press a couple of times regarding financial risks and rugby risks. Um, and Jack Jacko uh, is very much a, a rugby risk. He's he's he had the potential to be a Let's let's go as harsh as to say the potential to be a, a um, Brandon Thompson or someone of that sort of caliber, you know, a bit of a squad player, not really not really doing much. Will fill in the odd game during the during the autumn, but nothing really doing. And he's been so much more than that. He's been ve- very impressive. And from his first game at Edinburgh, I was very impressed with him. He, he links up very well as uh, as well with uh, big big Duhan. Um, so they they have a really good understanding, and yeah, it's Hickey Hickey's class. Hickey's a class player, and it's it's not luck that Edinburgh have done that. They've they've recruited very well, and Glasgow are. I'm sure you know agree with this. We are a bit scared that we're one injury away from having Pete Horn at ten, which we we don't want. In, in my notes, I've also got a defence of Pete Horn, but uh, not at nah, 10, obviously. Nah. Um, but the main th- the, the main thing for me, like, like I was talking about recruitment there, um, our sort of big signing over the summer was Nick Frisby. Uh, and all I can think to that is, why? You know, why, why, why are we signing a guy who's primarily a scrum half? They've said he can play at 10. I mean, if he is going to play for Glasgow... I'd hope he would be some kind of backup ten because we didn't need a nine. We've got Ali Price and George Horn. You know, it's like, oh yeah, that's you know Edinburgh last season would have killed for that kind of depth at scrum half. And now they've got two great, two very good standoffs. Mm. We've got one very impressive standoff, um, and then Pete Horn. Do you think in the tactic is to play Frisbee at ten and have him do the the patented Neil pass? 
uh, and that way the back row can't hit <laughs> yeah. him because he's, all, he's on the floor. Yeah, he's already, yeah, he, can't, he can't touch man on the floor. Um, <laughs> that's it, yeah. It doesn't matter if he's passing, possible. I mean. Uh, no, um, no I, just, I just find that a very bizarre signing. You know, when it came in, it's like, all right, all right, Wallaby signing, that's fine. You know, international class, played super rugby. But a scrum half, why? Yeah. Um, yeah, it just seemed a bit odd, that one. Yeah, Um Shall we? We'll cast our eyes further afield then, um, and we'll um, we'll we'll do a bit of virtual insanity. Um, The um, news, quickly, very quick bit of news uh, tonight is that um, Brian Allen Oasey, he of the um, world's toughest paper round, has gone to Toulon. (laughs) That's been confirmed, Um, and Glasgow uh, are down a strength and conditioning coach as well. So whoever the strength and conditioning coach has left, without much explanation. He's starting with the Blues. Um, he's way back home for personal reasons, but oh. he's, uh, he'll be starting with the Blues uh, in a couple of weeks' time, it said. So mm. I hope everything's okay, but I think it seems he's maybe needing to be closer to home. Yeah. Um, Richie Gray, news this week, he's out for until at least the Six Nations, if not longer, after aggravating a hip injury. There was some suggestion, I think, on the Scottish Rugby Forum, someone was, was saying they'd heard he, that was him done, but... Um, Townsend spoke at the squad announcement and it seems those rumours are very wide of the mark I think he'd recovered well from the injury he had and it's just it's it's something else he's aggravated that requires surgery so yep. um, we wish him well with that um, so, Finn Is that like the Anthony Watson situation with England because he'd ruptured his Achilles then he was doing a promo shoot and ruptured it again <laughs> That's right yeah it was, uh, it, was, it was a promo shoot for was it, it wasn't even rugby if I'm right no, was saying it? Yeah, I can't, I can't actually remember now. Was it? Something... I, I, I want to say NFL, but um, I think like it that. might have been something like that. Yeah, it's like he was going yeah. to catch a pass, and then he's landed dodgy and ruptured rip, his Achilles again. So um, yeah, and that's going to take a while. That is that six months at least. Yeah. Um, fashion, uh, fashion is dangerous. The flight of the Concorde sang. Um... <laughs> it's important to note as well, Cammy, that obviously with Big Brian uh, leaving Glasgow, are now short um a, a steward for uh, for the the, the, pr- the promo video um so i, I do wonder who's going to step up and replace him because i mean Brian. that is i mean that i've not seen a as good a turn uh, in a short movie uh in quite some years he, he was a future career that's why he's going to Toulon. he's getting closer to the south of france so that he can get in on the the Cannes film festival because he he is gold <laughs> Well, maybe I know the. Um, I know sometimes um, we do, um, the Glasgow guys do listen to us. So um, if if there is a recasting, um, please please can we um, have some input into that? We'd love to love to have a crack at um, who 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 would who would be your take on that, John? Who do you think they should cast in the Big Brian role? Big Rosa Hughes would be a, a standout for me. With yeah. his uh, Castle Milk accent. Well, yeah, I was going to say yeah. Uh, you're going to listen to Rosa. Aye, Big Rosa says it's time to go to the stadium. <laughs> he's like he's like the big man from chewing the fat. <laughs> uh, well, Jack Jack McElroy Reed, uh, who's the uh, who hosts the Warriors Weekly. I know he's some. Well, I think he, he has to listen to this just in case we, we uh, say anything bad about Glasgow, and he has to note it down and tell people. Um, Jack, if you're listening, we want Big Rosa Hughes uh, recast in that role. Thank you. Um, other virtual insanity. The man himself now. John, you are our virtual insanity. Um, was it expert? Because um, you do the ratings now. Finn chipping out of his own twenty-two, collecting the ball, selling a dummy pass, and providing then providing an assist all in one movement. What <laughs> level is that on the insanity scale? It's, uh, I mean, it's 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 absolutely weird. What approaching insanity? It's yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? I mean. Yeah, yeah, I seen that and went, oh my boy, my boy. <laughs> I think the words coming out of my mouth were a bit ruder. Uh, <laughs> I think I called him a filth merchant at some point. That was just genius. Yeah, I loved that. I was, uh, I was watching it on my tablet, and I've got my girlfriend Rona sitting on the couch opposite me, and I was like, oh, friend, you sweetie words <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, it's like watch this, look at this. It was, it was. It was peak fun. I know. I just yeah. wanted to take it out to tea, give it a full three courses, and then, you know, kiss on the doorstep because <laughs> it needed that level of respect. Um, they already had the bonus point wrapped up. It's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, could, could put my foot through it. 
Nah, I'm Russell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've got two uh, Scotland tens. See the link I'm going to do here. You know where this is going. Two Scotland tens who have set up tries from their own twenty-two <laughs> this week. Um, Hastings and Russell. Now we've we're bringing back uh, Absolute Bobbins, which we launched this season. It's um, where someone says something seemingly. I say seemingly. Wait till you see where this is going. Seemingly ridiculous statement, and then we. Uh, we're going to vote on whether or not it's absolute bobbins in. It was something that someone brought up on the Scottish Rugby Forum, and I saw it and saw I wholeheartedly agree with this. I suspect others won't. And that is that Hastings and Russell should start for Scotland with Hastings at 10 and Russell at 12. And I think that's just mad enough to work. It would be like two cats at a rave. Not even the cats know what they're doing there, but everyone's having a great time, and no one knows what's going to happen next. It's it's cute to start with, but then you start getting worried about the welfare of the cats and whether two cats should even be at a rave in the first place. But then the cats start showing mental shapes, and somehow it works out. And some people, John, have have said that you uh, you should only have one cat at a rave, and they should have a dog there to keep him in check. But that's not as funny, and a dog would probably just lie in the corner. So, um. <laughs> I've taken that metaphor as far as it's going to go. Hastings and Russell at 10 and 12 for Scotland. John, your take on this. So, (laughs) (laughs) if if you substitute the word Scotland for barbarians, uh, then I am all for this. I think it is bananas and could be amazing. We are not the barbarians unfortunately and i think a lot of scotland fans have got behind this idea going yeah let's let's just do crazy stuff as crazy as we can and woo and and those same scotland fans about a year ago were saying finn russell needs to be dropped because he's mental <laughs> uh, let's get let's get duncan weir back in the set up just boot the leather off the ball because finn's crazy and we don't want that and those same fans now are like yeah let's let's get let's get George Horn at nine and let's get Hastings and uh, all the crazy. Let's just go mental. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> I'm against it. And I think we should, <laughs> we're in a good, good situation where we've got two tens with, and me and he, we actually talked about this in the clubhouse, Ian, saying that it's great that after 60 minutes of Finn mentalness, you can then go, you know, let's throw on George Horn and uh, George Horn slash Ali Price and, Adam Hastings and just watch defences go, oh, come on, guys. Really? <laughs> really? You know, used to be, oh, here comes Duncan. Uh, well, just we'll pop the pop the defence back a wee bit and we'll just watch him boot it. It'll be nice. But no, um, I think it's great we've got some depth now. Um, I would like to see it tried at some point. Fiji, I, I, think, I think Fiji would be a good opportunity to, to, to give it a go. Fiji's the sort of game we need to be a wee bit tighter, though, because if we go mental against Fiji, look at the players they've got. They're just going to go, all right, we're, we're doing that game, are we? Oh, it's a game of sevens. Fantastic. Yeah. And they That's put exactly 70 points past us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you want, like, uh, oh, oh, his name's completely slipped me. The boy that um, destroyed the Barbarians. To, to a Sova? No, he, he's a winger. Uh, no, it's the boy that's playing at centre who basically between him and Finn they gave Ashton all his tries it's like this would just be insane they would just look at Finn Russell and Adam Hastings and go hold on they're kind of skinny right see you clatter right through them um, like, I mean it's when uh, I somebody commented it was Ross um, you know uh, Ronan Sweeting's boyfriend Ross McDowell he'd commented on, on Facebook about Finn being brilliant I was like I want to see Finn and Adam Hastings play together Baba style. I, you know, not a single word of that was meant in seriousness. <laughs> it would, it, it would. I mean, it would be just madness. But what I think would be great is, like, like, you know, like we discussed. You know, if people go, all right, if, if Finn's, let's say Finn's starting, he's not having a good game, and it's, you know, our other ten options are Pete Horn, Shift Laidlaw out there, or uh, you know, even if Donkey Bear gets back in the team. Uh, like if you know, those two guys, Finn and Adam Hastings, let's you know I think the word mercurial was created for them. Um, so if one of them's having an off game, just bring the other one on because he's probably not going to be having an off game, and he will just go and do something mental as well. Yeah, and that's 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 the style we're playing now. That's where uh, Scotland are playing now. It's just like you know what, we're not the biggest, we're not going to crash through you. 
let's just run right around you. And Adam Hastings has proven to be pretty adept at that so far. Um, it would be hilarious to see. It would be an amazing experiment. <laughs> but I don't think for the balance, if you're wanting to win a test match, I don't think the balance is right, unfortunately. Um, you know, if you're playing, if you're playing it on the PlayStation, you're like, all right, I'm going for the fast guys with the pass. <laughs> like, yeah, get, that's cool. I'll do that. Get the winger in at ten. Yeah. <laughs> Who's my fastest players? <laughs> there we go. Um, nah. Right. Uh, so fun, I'm, but... I'm, I'm two. We've got two for one against. We'll see which way the Tony Tumbola rolls during the autumn. Um, when when Fraser Brown got put to seven against Argentina, a lot of people were kind of like, is that going to work? And he had a fantastic game. Yeah, well, um, he's a performer back row, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, well, it seems to be a lot of our hookers for former back rows. Every single, well, it's, I think every single one is, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. even Ross Ford. Even Ross Ford yeah. was a six, uh, yeah, so... Um, Scottish <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the Scotland squad, very briefly, because we'll do our full um, autumn preview next week. Um, no Duncan Weir, no Luke Hamilton, although he, he seems to be there. Um, Chris Chris Harris is in. Um, but then the big sort of, well, I suppose the big sort of surprise for everyone in the the annual who the, who the heck is he uh, was Sam Skinner um, of Exeter Chiefs. Um, uh, was that a surprise to you, John? I I had absolutely no idea who the guy was, frankly. <laughs> and I, I, I like to think of myself as someone, uh, you know, I pride myself in knowing a bit about rugby, and I had no clue who this guy was. Uh, I got straight onto Google, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks a prospect. Um, again, everybody looks good in highlights reels, don't they? But um, he seems well, to get a lot of good press down south. Here we go. The uh, this, His stats, I think this is, uh, so far this season, 116 tackles and only missed six, which is 95% compared to Johnny Gray's, who's made 103 and missed three. So it's a 98% tackle completion. So, I, I mean, you stick him and Johnny Gray and none shall pass, I think, by the looks of things. He's <laughs> not... <laughs> I think he's about the same height as Johnny, so maybe you want somebody... Oh, but he's running the line outside Exeter, isn't he? Yeah. So, um... The other thing as well is apparently yeah. they, they see him as a number eight, but they 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 said the way to break in the team is, is second row, but longer term they view him as, an, as a as a ball-carrying eight. So, again, it sort of fits in with the um, Townsend's, Gregor Townsend's sort of versatility, so that would be interesting. See, someone tonight now who's... Then... Go ahead, Ian, while I look up this tweet that someone sent me uh, tonight. Well... If if Exeter are saying that they see him as an eight, um, well, where are they going to put Sam Simmons? Well, yeah. obviously he's injured at the moment, but um, no, but uh, like like John and possibly I think most of the other Scottish rugby watching population, like Sam Skinner, is he Scottish? <laughs> um, because you know, I like like you know like both of you, I, you know I watch a fair bit of rugby. I watch um, if there's Scottish player playing, I'll uh, you know pay particular attention to him. And when I've watched Exeter games, I've just thought, all right, none of them are ours. Um, so yep. let's just see. You know, he's been good, he's been good, he's been good. But, um, you know, not really paying attention to names. So it was a big surprise. But, hey, you know, if he does the job, he does the job. I what? thought Sam Skinner was the guy from Hot Fuzz, to be honest, the bad guy. That's confused me. Ah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Fraser Manson got in touch. Uh, slid slid into my DMs with this this absolute gem, which is uh, Sam Skinner has a 21 year old brother at the Exeter Academy, also red, uh, dual registered with Cornish Pirates, uh, who is a, a fly half called Harvey. Um, so that could be. Um, so so you can all pretend in two seasons when he gets a call up in the autumn, you can all pretend uh, all pretend you you saw that coming. Um, Been watching him. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, Blade Thompson, very briefly then, Blade Thompson, um, not available for Wales because Scarlets are refusing to release him. Uh, probably quite rightly, I mean, to be fair, I think I think it was Simon Thomas has said that there's, there is an indication that if the SRU were to pay Scarlets money the same way the WRU pay the money to release players, that they would release him. Um, do you think, I mean, is it worth... Scotland throwing some money their way, John, or do you think just just wait and see, wait, you know, bide our time and wait, wait the game out? No, no, it's not, it's not worth our, our while. I think it's clear this 
Doddy Weir Cup is a financially driven exercise um, in one way or another um, for for the SRU. So I think it would be it would be a bit daft of us to um, minimise our gains, shall we say, by by getting a, a player. But I tell you what, though, he does look good in the, the training kit. He has a sort of a bad, bad look about him. Like I am an angry man, and I'm going to get you. He, he looks awesome. I'm I'm quite impressed. I'm I'm very excited to see what he can do. Um, yeah. Um, we'll move on because we're, we're we're pushed for time as always. Um, very quickly with where's Doogie Donnelly? Um, f- uh, Scott McDonald got in touch on Twitter to say he saw Dave Rennie at Bridgeview watching. Uh, nine, well, this is my my take on it. 1970s TV detective Nick Frisby uh, turn out for Sterling against <laughs> Borough Muir. Um, showing the heights to which Nick Frisby's career has reached so far in Scotland. Um, and we had another one. It's not really a Where's Dougie Donnelly, but Bika got in touch on Twitter um, after I retweeted a Strange World Rugby. Did you see the Strange World Rugby gif they tweeted of Dan Parks and uh, Ewan Murray doing some strange private handshake fist bump? Yes. Yes. Yes, I did. Bika says that that's from the Scotland game against Georgia in Invercargill in the 2011 World Cup. And he said, when Parks hoofed the ball out on the fool for the third time, some Scotland fans shouted, a, a naughty word in donkey, Kuonu Invercargill farmer nearly dropping his beer as he hugged his knees laughing. His wife asked, do you always talk to your sportsman this way? To which the reply came, yes, have you seen the state of him? <laughs> Fairly accurate. Fairly accurate. Um, we'll, we'll move on then. We'll get, get to hands in the ruck because um, we've got quite, I've got quite a few submissions for this. Ian Wallace got in touch. Um, regular podcast listener to say his hands in the ruck was the £8 delivery charge for his tickets for the away trip to Newcastle Falcons he said he could have driven there for the same price now I worked this out for Ian in order to get back there and back for around £8 if you're driving you need to get 200 miles to the gallon and the only car that can do that is a Volkswagen XL1 which costs around hundred grand. so that's a bit of a false uh, economy uh, if Ian took his double-decker bus it would cost him about £273.46 um, now I worked out that you'd have to get and now allowing for the fact that Lothian buses might, might allow him to take a bus for free like friends and family discount or something he'd need um, how many passengers? He'd need 80 passengers I think I worked out to get it down to £8 a head to drive people there and back to collect their tickets uh, it was £30 on the mega bus and the cheapest train I could get him was a £30 return um, but it is to be fair it is only £6.50 Royal Mail guaranteed delivery and £1.77 for first class sign for so I'd agree the postage is high Um Bruce McConaughey, um, I've had a lot of time on my hands today. Bruce McConaughey said his hands in the ruck <laughs> is is why there isn't a simple way to judge tackles. His suggestions are line from armpit to armpit, which I think uh, Blood and Mud, Lee and, Lee and Joe, uh, Josh have talked about this in the past. About I think they did it in the American Pro League at one point, That's is right, have the, did, yeah. the line on the strips, which I, th- I think is a fair idea. I think it's probably the way it's going to go. Um, fair Glasgow have already got one there. Yeah. I'll wake it. Number yeah. of lines. It wouldn't be hard. I mean, even even with the All Blacks, you could just, you know, some sort of a white line. I wouldn't think they'd object too much to a white line across the strip. You wouldn't have thought. Yeah, yeah. they do like a moan occasionally. Yeah. Um, now your hands in the ruck, then, John. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come in. So Rudy Jackson uh, has started this season not quite as well as he performed last season. And I think it's worth... What's really grinding at me is that a lot of Glasgow fans are getting impatient with Rory Jackson and getting on his back immediately. And I I guess I would just like to remind everyone that Rory Jackson was signed as a free agent, having been released by a number of clubs uh, based in England, and was a bit of a what? All right, okay. Stopgap signing to cover when Hoggy wasn't available, and unfortunately, Hoggy's now had two periods of of injury absence in two years. So it, it it's indicative of, and we saw this actually with um, a few of the other Glasgow sort of players that have left Glasgow now. Uh, the fans are quite quick to get on the back of individual players, and I don't like it. Yeah. No, I think that's I think that's fair enough. I think ever I mean it was interesting what Hugh Jones was saying about how he struggled to fit in when he first came back and 
uh, when he first came over to Glasgow, and like I think yeah. you said the last couple of pods, the amount of rugby he'd played, and that you know fans, a lot of people were on his back quite quickly as well, and why he's not performing as well as he performs for I, Scotland. I, but... I remember doing a hands in the rock about Hugh Jones as well, actually when he when he first came over. Um, I remember talking about how you know we need to be a bit patient with him in terms of re-educating him defensively, given that he'd played under three defensive systems in a, the space of three months. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's quite frustrating. Yeah, um, Ian, your hands on the rock then. All right, uh, aye. So my hands on the rock. Uh, for going back to the European games here as well. Um, now. During the first round, there were a number of, uh, shall we say, contentious refereeing decisions. Um, but uh, my hands rock is uh, that Bruce Craig of Bath, um, hmm. he actually submitted a request to the EPRC that the game against Toulouse should be replayed because there was three... The main thing they've said is the ref blew the whistle early because there was three seconds left on the clock. Um, and, but that's on the TV clock. That wasn't on the official matchkeeper's clock. So if he had just maybe you know kept his gub shut and asked, you know, was was the timing right? They could say yes. Because remember, like mind in 2015 when we played Wales and uh, like we scored a try in the last minute, Finn Russell kicked his conversion. Um, when he went to hit the conversion, time wasn't up. But then the ref blew for time up. That's right. So I mean, and then they've also well. That is their main bugbear. So are we going to go back to, are we going to demand that game be replayed? Um, but then he's also complained that because uh, Jerome Kano and Lucas Pontud uh, have both um, subsequently been given uh, suspensions for what were red card offences during that match, that uh, Toulouse should have been reduced to 13 men. But what he's completely forgetting is the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Freddie Burns hadn't made a complete swear word of himself <laughs> and just dotted the ball down. If he hadn't missed the penalty, an easy kick ball range, and if he just dotted the ball down, he would have won that match. It, um, and it is, like, yeah, it is worth remembering, Ian, we, we have got our own swear words. You can say he made a parks of himself, and that's perfectly acceptable. Oh, yes, or uh, he, he looked like an absolute Roman Poit. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, but this is like... You've lost that game. Um, you know, just let it slide. Every, or otherwise, we're going to have to replay basically every match of the European Champions Cup because of a, a slight referee aberration. Um, and also, do you, I mean, do you not think Freddie Burns just wants to draw a line under that match and move on? Yeah. Because it was a horror show for the poor lads. I mean, it, but if he wants to replay the last three seconds, Freddie Burns will probably attempt a drop goal and smack some disabled kid in the face <laughs> and scoot it off white. No, it's, it's just going to go horribly wrong. The whole thing's a disaster. Just, yeah. You lost the game fair and square. Bath are a, you know, they're a prestigious club. They've done, you know, they've maybe not been great for the last few years, but that's a team with, you know, good financial backing, great support. You know, they're one of the sort of higher echelons of English teams historically. And you're just embarrassing yourselves and your club by suggesting that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where, you know, if you, if you start typing out an angry email at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> when you're in bed, don't hit send, stick it in your drafts and then reread it in the morning. Yes, <laughs> right, sleep, sleep off your Merlot and then ask, uh, get back on it. Yeah, Bruce, ask your wife to read it. Yeah, wife, love, would you mind just having a look at this before I send it? <laughs> so, ooh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite phrase it like that. Maybe, uh, yeah, tone it down a bit, Bruce. Um yeah, what, what I want to know is, has he been in contact with Big Gus and got this onto the, the Madcap Gus Ideas uh, forum? Because yep. I think I think that would be important. Replayed replayed games if there are more than two sightings and um, if the uh, the owner of the club just doesn't like it. If the owner be... of the club doesn't like it. I mean, I, oh. I think that's good enough. Yeah. Jeez, every Toulon game ever would be really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Toulon will be playing for the next forever <laughs> every every day it'll be an NBA season with Toulon <laughs> we'll be playing every single day forever <laughs> Matthew Mastros is like oh jeez seriously Big Brian's going like, to get I'm some work down there <laughs> just imagine how lean Bastero would get <laughs> 
Um, uh, not if he's still consuming small wingers for, yeah. for tea. Speaking of world rugby, my hands in the ruck, uh, which um, sort of came to my attention, it was Rory that retweeted a Scrum Queen's tweet on Twitter, um, which is the World Rugby Women's 15 Player of the Year um, awards panel. Um, now, Maggie Alfonsi on that panel. Do you, uh, either of you, want to take a guess at some of the other members of the uh, panel? The Women's 15 Player of the Year Awards panel. Anyone want to take a guess? I'm, I'm going to stay quiet because I actually seen this earlier on as well. It is ridiculous, but Ian. I'll let you in. Um, I haven't seen it actually, um, but like, uh, well, we should maybe give a Go on, call. I tell you what, you, you t- tell me how many, Maggie Alfonsi right. on there. Guess how many other women are on that list. Oh, I'm, I'm going to guess zero. Uh, David Campese, <laughs> Bill Beaumont and Donald Trump are on it. <laughs> very, very close. Clive Woodward no, is there. Not. Yeah, Clive Woodward's there. Donald no. Trump, Clive Woodward's there. Uh, Falbian Golf, George Gregan, Richie McCall, Brian O'Driscoll, Augustine, just call me Gus Pichot, uh, and John Smith as well, <laughs> Clive Woodward. Um, Scrum Queens quite rightly said, the idea uh, that any of the others bar Maggie Alfonsi have watched a number of women's test games required to make an authoritative decision like this is laughable. Um, and I kind of, I get, you know, Sir Clive Woodward is, is the kind of self-important um, Roman Poit uh, who'd think <laughs> that he was qualified to do I that. I think he's more of a Mike Brown, to be honest. Aye, maybe. Um, and Gus Pichu kind of strikes me as the kind of guy who'd wear a This Is What A Feminist Looks Like t-shirt as a way of chatting up women. <laughs> so again, maybe no surprise there. Um, but I've kind, I've kind of lost a little bit of respect for Brian O'Driscoll and, and Richie McCaw because they should know better. These, you know, they're, they're men of the world. And I think if... I mean, they shouldn't have been asked in the first place, but if you... you asked early. If you are asked, you should have the good grace to say, look, I don't watch a lot of women's rugby, and is there not someone better qualified than me to, to do this? Have you not thought of actually asking a woman? Um, and I'm not saying a man shouldn't be on there, because you know we get Gary on here to talk about women's rugby, because he, he follows it very closely, and he knows a lot about it, and that's fine. But you should at least have people involved in women's rugby, plus obviously more than just one woman. Um Lord will be using it as a way to sell his uh, Ultimate Rugby uh, subscriptions. That's be it. His next promo. Well, well, do you want to know that here's the, here's the, so far as I can tell, this is the only qualification that each one of them has for it. Um, Fabian Golf was sacked by Toulon in June. That's, that's his most recent achievement in rugby. Um, George Gregan owns a chain of coffee shops. John Smith has taken up mountain uh, biking. Women love coffee. That's it, yeah. Women do love coffee, that's true. John Smith has taken up mountain bike racing. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll. Uh, Brian O'Driscoll is making a career out of being Brian O'Driscoll. Um, love Brian O'Driscoll. They do. Uh, Richie McCaw flies helicopters. Who doesn't love a helicopter pilot like Airwolf? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> in fact, I think we should we, let's uh, campaign now to get Airwolf remade with Richie McCaw. Oh, <laughs> we bang off for that. Uh, Porsche, get Porsche Woodman in there. Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, Clive Woodward. Uh, he has his career as a professional windbag. Uh, scientists are studying uh, his output as a potential renewable energy source. Um, apparently, the, the stench of just one of his terrible opinions are thought to be enough to power the town a size of Elston for a year. So, um, good luck with that, one Sir of Clive. His like Stuart Hogg at ten. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's Gus Pichot, uh, who is uh, World Rugby's Del Boy for the Instagram YouTube generation. Um, <laughs> Qualified. Like, he, he probably wears a t-shirt that says I'm a feminist. I bet he stands out in smoking platforms as well, just giving lights to girls who don't have a lighter on them. So it's like, yeah. Hey, can you light? Have you seen my t-shirt? <laughs> uh, I'm a total feminist, by the way. <laughs> I'm Gus. I'm Gus. Look at look. See, I wear a t-shirt and a jacket somewhere. I'm I'm smart yet approachable. It's uh, <laughs> Gus Gus Pichot. I think Gus Pichot goes goes to those seminars where um, men who have never had a date in their lives tell other men how to get dates. <laughs> oh, pick up artists. Yeah, yeah pick up artists, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, somebody. Oh, there's a, dead, there's a dead famous book about it. Uh, oh, it's called The Game. It was a, a journalist who he given. He's basically his paper said, look. I want you to investigate this pickup artist thing. And he ended up getting totally involved in it and became like, they even had an award show amongst <laughs> this group where he, he was named pickup artist of the year, sort of thing. And he said, I just did it at first to, like, as a journalist thing, but then I was 
pulling lots of hot women, so I just kept doing it. And some of it, I mean, I mean, somebody suggested me reading it, just going, read this, it's absolutely insane. I was like, all right. He couldn't put it down. I was like, this is... How do you, how on earth do people actually get away with this? But of course, they were going in like sort of high class California circles with all these, you know, Kardashian type people and um, the pickup artists who are just using this weird psychology. It's bizarre. It was, yeah. it was really was. You, you asked the question, Ian, how do people get away with this? And that segues beautifully back to Gus. <laughs> and in a year's time when he's got his southern hemisphere nonsense tournament off the ground we'll be sitting here saying how do people get away with this because it's gus he's got a t-shirt yeah. bro although saying that i was thinking That's this weekend given given we've had uh, hastings and finn both run tries from their own 22s i'd be all up for power tries now oh definitely yeah yeah, yeah. i think Absolutely. we score quite a few of those now even the hammered Exeter last year, even worse. Those two, the Tommy Seymour and then the Matt Fager, someone. Oh, they were, they were worse. Power tries. Power tries so should, should we maybe get Kevin, who writes for the blog, to do a sort of power tries yeah. stat for us? That's it, yeah. Well, yeah. Last yeah. Last European champions by now, I think it's uh, power tries. <laughs> Uh, on that note, um, I finished talking about power tries for I think the third episode in a row. Um, we'll say goodbye <laughs> for this week. Um, we are back for the next six weeks after this, I think, when I've worked that out right. Um, over the autumn tests will be our preview one next week and we'll cover a bit of the um, Embra Zebra and Glasgow Munster this weekend. Is that right? Yep. Without your Scotland yeah, stars, good sure. luck with that. Um, away as well. <laughs> away. Yeah, away as well. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we'll be back next week to talk about that. Um, I think we've got Rory with us next week, even, uh, who's out of his sort of self imposed um, exile. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll be back to cover the autumn tests. So, in the meantime, get in touch with us in the usual ways, and we shall see you next week. Goodbye. Cheers, bye. Bye.